Today on Gamerhead Radio, GDC doesn't stand for Game Developers Conference. It stands for Goat Didn't Come. Gamerhead Radio starts now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Gamerhead Radio. I am Jonathan Santiago, a.k.a. Fallon Flynn. And I am Charlie Technotronicorn Worthley. Candy Mountain, Charlie. And that empty chair over there is where Goat would be if he were here, but he is not here today. He's, he's got the goat flu. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, he's, uh, he's uh, recuperating. He caught a spot of death. And uh, so you've just got uh, us two fools today. I'm sorry about that. It's true. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a fun show full of uh, probably like joy and love because Goat's <laughs> not here to to make it all dour to, and angry to not balance to... out our uh, yeah. yeah yeah. But it's uh, but it's also gonna be probably like a power another attempt at a power hour show. Just yes yes yes. It's gonna be a lean a... mean episode today. So having said that, Charlie, why don't you tell the nice people what's coming out this week? All right, so coming out this week on Monday, March 21st, uh, Hyperdimension Neptunia U, Action Unleashed. I think I mentioned that last week because normally we start two, we go Tuesday to Tuesday, but that is coming out on Monday on the PC. On Tuesday, March 22nd, uh, Trackmania Turbo is coming out for the PC, the PS4, and the mm-hmm. Xbox One. Republic, or Re- Republic, uh, is coming out on the PS4. I know, I, I believe that started as a mobile game. I've it seen. was. Yeah, I know yeah. that started on like the uh, like the iPad and other games. It's just other, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, similar. Episodic Android. game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was it episodic? Oh, it I was. I, I have the first episode of it. It's oh, okay. uh, entertaining, but I don't know how they're going to make that a full-fledged release. It's hmm. very much a, like, tap the screen to do things kind of a game. Like old school, like point and click adventure style. Yeah, it's like you're from the perspective of a camera. You're, you're, it's a series of cameras. You're escaping from a facility of some mm. sort, and there's somebody directing you, and you're playing from the perspective of the person directing the girl, and you tap cameras and tell her where to walk and do things. Gotcha. So it's all played through like closed circuit TV cameras. It's kind of interesting in that way, but I okay. don't, I don't see how it could be a full fledged game. I'm curious to see how that plays. Interesting. Out. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think I knew this was coming, or if I did, I forgot. Day of the Tentacle Remastered. It's coming out mm. on the PC, the PS4, and the Vita. Um, I, I missed that the first time around, so I'm yeah. excited to have another shot at that. Right on. Um, uh, Cat Lateral Damage on the PS4. Puns! Yes. Uh, Sebastian Loeb Rally Evo on the PS4 and the Xbox One. Uh, Fallout 4 Automatron, uh, the first expansion pack coming out for the game, on uh, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Uh, Paranautical Activity on the Vita. And Okage Shadow King on the uh, is a PS2 classic. I'm assuming is going to be available on uh, on the PS4, um, maybe the Vita. It doesn't. It just says PS2 classic here. Uh, on on uh, I use I use Kotaku's release look because they they do a great job of putting it together. On Wednesday, March 23rd, 101 Ways to Die is coming on the PS4. That sounds like a fun game. Uh, Dragon Fantasy: The Black Tome of Ice on the PS4. Uh, on, on Thursday, March 24th, Sam Rost three. Uh, as on the PC, uh, Warheads is on the PS4, and then Friday, March 25th, Hyrule Warriors Legends is coming out on the 3DS, and Mini Mario and Friends Amiibo Challenge is coming out on the Wii U and the 3DS. Huh. Uh, John, are you looking forward to anything on that list? Um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, a couple of things. Trackmania, believe it or not, sounds like it's going to be kind of fun. This is the first Trackmania game that's going to be out on consoles. I'm like not familiar with the series. It's a it's a racing series, uh, but it's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like extreme, like, it's very arcade but it's like, you know, crazy jumps and loops and looks kind of fun. So it's know. like if, um, what's what's the the bike stunt game? 
Um, yeah, yeah, I know trials. You're trials, about, yeah. It's, so it's kind of like, like if, that. If trials were a racing game, yeah, kind of a little okay. bit. Yeah, it's kind of kind of neat game like that. Um, most everything else on the list, um, I, I would like to. There's a couple other things I like to play, but I know I'm not going to have time. <laughs> yes, yes. All what about that. you? Anything on there? Uh, I'm I'm excited to have the uh, opportunity to play Day of the Tentacle again. Yeah, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know when I'll get to it, but um, you know, I, um, I I played a little bit of. Um, uh, Grim Fandango, you know, yeah. a little bit ago, because because um, uh, that was a free uh, um, PlayStation Plus game for a while there. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, so it's you know, it's uh, I'm very thankful to, to have a chance to replay some of these old games where you know you can you can you know I'm sure a lot of these are available on like good old games and stuff like that. But, yeah, yeah. You know, especially with these older games, you know, you have to like you know kind of sometimes jump through hoops on newer computers just yeah. because you know it's not supported and everything anymore. So being able to easily play these old games. Um, you know, it's, it's nice, and and one day somewhere mm-hmm. down the line, um, I'm I'm happy to see that Fallout Four expansion packs are coming out. Woo! Still have not touched the game. So that was madness. <laughs> Shit, I I gave you your copy of Tomb Raider back. You still haven't gotten to that, have you? I have not. <laughs> uh because Pony Con. Because Pony Con. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll use that as a segue to uh, once again lament that I did not have a chance to touch a single game this week. Um, I am a, I'm a failure. I, I, I should be kicked <laughs> off the show. Um, I, uh, I don't even know who you are anymore, Charlie. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've gone off about this before. I'm not going to do it again. So, yeah, um, I just, you know, looking forward to that payoff. And then when the payoff is over, I'm just going to decon myself for a while and like take care of some other business and well this is you this is you just paying back the metal gear bank that's all it oh is. is that what it is that's okay. what it is you're, you're like metal gear got your undivided attention for about six weeks straight yeah. in a fashion that typically games are not allotted that kind of time yep. and you should have known that the grim reaper of gaming was going to reclaim that time Take it from you. The, the the one person out there listening to this that might still care is yelling, you still haven't finished the year of episode yet. Mm, true. <laughs> um, yes, true. all of that. But, uh, but yeah. But that, so. that may be coming down the pipeline once there is relief. Yeah. Once PonyCon doesn't, doesn't, you know, pin him down. Yeah. And you know, it's like we, we surprisingly had enough to talk about you know, over the holiday season yeah. that, you know, it's... Uh, it uh, it'll, it'll be good to kind of save that for a potential lull coming up or a place yeah. where you know there's there's some weekends coming up where we might not be able to do a show so have that as you know, potentially yeah. have that as yeah, a fill in yeah. so yeah so yeah but that's me John how about you what have you played um I played actually played a bunch of different stuff this week now now that I I had mentioned that my my PC rig is up and running again um and it is a slightly more robust rig than the one that I had before I just need a new video card maybe a little bit more RAM um but as it stands right now I'm able to play a few things I hadn't been able to before so. Um, what did I play this week? I played a bunch of Ark Survival Evolved. That's the like open world uh, kind of um, world building dinosaur game, and it is it's fucking bonkers, man. Like it is definitely a Gamerhead Radio should play it game. Like it's it's it is available on Xbox One, mm-hmm. and I was not going to pick it up on there, but I I will pick it up if you and Goat want to play it because it is. The sort of game that is better played with friends than it is to be played alone. I've been playing it primarily alone. I played a little bit with uh, our uh, our good friend Carlton a little bit, um, but I played it on like a cheaty mod server that I was wearing a Batman helmet. It was not, you know, <laughs> it was all shits and giggles. But it's crazy. Like you start with nothing, you you literally start punching thatch off the trees, and it hurts you. Like it takes health away because you're literally beating your fists into a tree to get thatch off of it. Um, then you can take pick up some stone and dig through bushes to get fiber and berries and stuff to eat. 
and then you can take the stone and the the thatch and the fiber and combine that into a pick, like a stone pick, and you can pick thatch off in much larger numbers, and then you can craft other tools to do different things, and then you level up. Everything you do, you have a a constantly moving leveling up bar. Everything you do goes towards leveling up, and then you you unlock engrams that allow you to make more things and more things and more things. So this is a game like Minecraft is a game. Kind of, yeah. It's a survival game, but it's... The graphics for it are really good. It's a really pretty game, um, but it's also kind of got some MMO flavor to it too. Where Minecraft, you like you you can play with other people and world build with other people. This is very like other people will hurt you badly to try and take things off of your corpse oh. um, if they can. And I mean, I was sitting there building my thatch roof cottages. <laughs> I was literally building thatch roof cottages, and. Uh, I hear doom, 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 doom. I hear this like loudness because the dinosaurs are huge mm-hmm. in this. Some of them, and I turn around and there is a player riding a T Rex that they tamed. You can knock animals out and tame them and saddle them. And he ate me and he ate my thatch roof cottage. I was burninated by Trogdor. <laughs> it's really what happened. Is I mean I, there was no beefy arm. It was the only the only detail missing. But you can do crazy shit. Like you can you can tame a pteranodon and you can put a saddle on it and you can fly. And the world is massive, massive. Oh. And there's like icy areas and snow areas and there's like really dense jungles and those are horrifying. You try going in there when you're not properly geared up and you're gonna die in seconds. Like it's so dense and full of murder. And uh, like, are these worlds generated, or is there like a map? There's like a there a is a map, map, but but it's constantly like the, the the greenery is really lush, and any tree you see, you can chop down. Any bush you see, you can dig through for berries and food stuff. You kill animals and take their hides and their meat, and you cook the meat, and you make things with a mortar and pestle, and you have a cooking pot, and you have a fire to roast things, and you you make you make you know what I mean, and uh, it's just really really it's a very smart game. Um, no story to speak of. It's literally just about surviving and strongholds and getting in there. And it's a social experiment, you know, like a huh. lot of those world building games. It would be the perfect thing for us to play together. It's really cool. So there's no end to this. It's the, no, which I know is, is there like, a, is there a story of any kind? No, this is, this is where we lose Charlie right yes, here. Yes, it is right no, here. This no is end it. and no story. It's literally <laughs> just about socializing with people and doing uh, strange things. I don't know. There are also giant, there's megalodons in the ocean and you can tame those and ride them too. It's great. How does one ride that? Can you? Does it like just stay on the surface when you do that? I mean, you can stay on the surface. You can go underwater with it and swim very quickly. You can yeah, tame no. saber tooth tigers and I ride presume, those. I and presume you have a breath meter for how long you, you do. Can stay underwater. You do. Um, wow. You know, but but yeah. I mean, like there's all kinds of things. And any animal you tame, you can attack with. Like you can bite and the pteranodons are great. You can find like a level one player down there minding his business and swoop down and pick them up and then take them into the air and drop them to their death. Or can drop you, them into the middle of the ocean. That's fun. Can you fun. train animals to the point where they will like they will like follow you? Yeah, around you in can a pack whistle. And you can like yeah, they'll just follow you. And the, if something attacks you, they'll attack back. Like you can whistle and they'll just follow you. You can huh. whistle to have one or two specific animals follow you, or you can do like a group whistle to have all of your fucking animals follow you. You can have like interesting twenty animals and they'll follow you if you do the group whistle. Well, I will say this definitely sounds more interesting to me than Minecraft. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's cool. Still won't play it. Yeah, <laughs> sure, fair enough. It's a cool game though. Uh, I played that. I played uh, the Secret World uh, MMO, which I love. That game It's a really, really cool game. Oh great. yeah, yeah. I, I like the art style from that game. Oh, it's, it's everything about that game is great. The music, the puzzles are brilliant. Like one of the puzzles has you like uh, you have to you have to literally solve a, a Morse code puzzle. You know, oh. um, but you you get the Morse code from a sound wave. 
Like, it, it's not a typical MMO where it's, like, a hand-holdy. Like, it's really hard. Huh. It has a built-in browser in the game that you have to use pretty frequently to find shit. Like, some of it's built into the web. Like, they built mock websites to solve mysteries and shit in there. Oh, it's funny. cool. Yeah, it's neat. Interesting. Uh, played that. I played um, Borderlands 2 uh, huh. with uh, with Ricky Keller. Um, we, we played uh, maybe an hour of that before my son literally shat all over it. Um, <laughs> let's see. I mean, yeah, I played a lot this week. Some more Metal Gear. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm burning out, though, on Metal Gear. Yeah. How, how far are you in the story now? Um, I just finished... I, I don't want to say any spoilers, but I, I just finished a mission where I had to mandatorily, mandatorily shoot some sick people. Um, ah, okay. that have glowing throats. Yep. Well, I'll just say that. Yep. yep. I finished that, and then uh, there's no more like yellow dot missions available. So I think I have to do a couple of the non. Just yeah, just go do some side ops. And yeah, and missions it'll, it'll will come back will, up. Yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll that's come what up. it is. Yep. So that's where I'm at. I'm but you were very close. It. I'm really enjoying yeah. it. It's a lot of fun. But I just I, I looked at my play time on it. it I'm 53 or 54 percent percent complete, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting at about I think it's like 75 hours exactly. Yeah. So. No, but no, you are very close to the end of the story missions. Great. And if you give a, I'm just gonna say if you give a crap about quiet, the one I see the end of her story. Yeah. Like as far as what the game is concerned, anyways. Yeah. Just get through. Oh, it. I'm gonna finish it. Oh, no, okay. I've, I've invested too much time to not finish. Okay, at this okay, point. okay. I'm gonna finish it. But uh, I was worried like you said that, you were burning out. So. I, I, I just, I'm finding it like I want to go play other things, man. I've yeah, devoted okay. so much time to this, but, um, but I want to finish it, and I'm still enjoying it. But uh, I played Killer Instinct as well because uh, on the 29th, season three starts for <laughs> Killer Instinct. They're releasing new characters, um, so I'm kind of, kind of getting back into my, my practice mode for that. Um, and I, I think that was it. I, I didn't have time to really play anything else. I don't think. I just can't believe I got that much done this week. Um, no, I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. I mean, granted, some of this was thirty minutes, twenty minutes, forty minutes, yeah. but that's it. That's that's what I played this week. All right. Well, now that you know what we did this week in video gaming, let's see what the industry did this week in video gaming. Okay, for news this week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Usually, we do our top five news stories of the week for you guys, but uh, with uh, Game Developers Conference, or GDC, taking place this past week, we had a few extra news stories to roll out. So, uh, what we're going to do is, uh, I'm going to read the news in no particular order in terms of uh, importance to the week, uh, and uh, we're going to discuss a little bit extra as part of our feature for uh, for Game Developers Conference, because there were some, uh, some oohs and ahs and scandals and whatnots. Uh, that took place this last week. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and kick things off uh, with an article that says, if you own more than 10 Steam games, you don't matter to the $99.3 billion gaming industry. But that's everybody. Who ha- who on Steam owns less than 10 Steam games? Quite a few people. You'd be surprised. <laughs> really? Yeah, I know a bunch of people who have three or four. Who have never bought a Humble there. Bundle ever? Uh, yeah, I, you'd be surprised the amount of people who don't realize that if you buy a Humble Bundle, you get the Steam keys to put... You know, a lot of people just do run the executables, you know, and, oh, and install well, that way. Okay. You know, people who aren't hardcore gamers. Uh, okay. It's, it's going to make perfect sense. So, um, so this was an article originally published by VentureBeat uh, by a gentleman by named uh, by the name of Jeff Grubb. Most of the room of the game industry insiders raised their hand after Spry Fox founder Dan- Daniel Dank Cook asked them if they owned more than ten games on the PC software portal Steam. Smiling, Dank told them. You don't matter. For years, mobile gaming has fended off the idea that for casual consumers, 
opposed to the, quote, core audiences of more traditional platforms like Xbox One or PlayStation 4. But during a panel at the Game Developers Conference uh, this past week, several mobile developers argued that this distinction is a tribalistic and incorrect. In total, gaming is a $99.3 billion industry, and mobile gaming alone makes up more than a third of that at around $34.8 billion. And while consoles and Steam gamers spend a lot of the most, quote, core people who make up those audiences aren't worth chasing after for most studios building games, according to the panel. Uh, Dank said, quote, you are novelty seekers. You are the smallest demographic in gaming. So when talking about as far as people who are willing to buy libraries and libraries and libraries of games, mm-hmm. uh, as it turns out, you know whether it's due to budget or just the way that things have shifted with mobile gaming or the way that uh, Steam sales have made games so cheap and affordable over time, um, it would seem that uh, that the the hardcore gamer is now becoming a niche in today's video game market in contrast to the average person who's willing to plunk down, you know. 10 bucks for a cheap game, play that one for a couple hours, and then not buy another game for two or three months. Apparently, they're trying to seek out the casual gamer at this point. So, so, the, so he's suggesting that there are so many more gamers that buy games infrequently yes. than there are gamers that buy them often, that the infrequent gamers are the ones that are the, are the majority of the market. Yes, and a lot, a lot of this skew comes from the, the mobile gaming market because you're not buying a game in the mobile gaming market in most cases you're buying microtransactions for the free game that you're playing mm, sure so the the person who goes out and spends a paycheck's worth of money on on games those people are dwindling in numbers compared to the casual gamer or the mobile gamer or hmm. you know the esports gamer who's going to play like five games that are considered competitive and just work on getting good at those games league of legends or call of duty or you know whatever game is being featured at that moment um so he gives a couple of other examples and they kind of break down why this is why so many companies are making games for ios and android thanks fellow panelists storm 8 product manager ramin darabiha excuse me clarifies that games for steam's novelty seekers keep coming and he used devil daggers as an example but he used this as an opportunity to make the point to that the casual audiences are on mobile are not only viable, they are equally important to what is coming on smartphones and tablets. He said, I have a problem with calling it core gaming because that makes everything else seem peripheral, congregate manager Emily Greer said. It doesn't equally value the experiences of other players. So the implication is, is that the core gamers... Um, people working in the industry or don't consider core quote core gamers to be core gamers anymore. They hmm. consider them to be the fringe. Interesting. Yeah. Because That's... statistically they are at this point. I mean, just being in the conversation like we are, it's that's, it's, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around, but I guess I can, mm-hmm. I can, I guess I can see it. I guess I can understand. Well, it. to kind of give a little bit more uh, credence to this concept, uh, they did say that most of the panelists that were participating in this discussion echoed this sentiment. Even developer Lee Perry, who previously worked at Gears of War Studio Epic Games, noted that he had to get over this idea that mobile gaming wasn't a means to its own end. He talked about how free-to-play gaming happened so fast he was working on Gears of War 2, and that led to him viewing the space as a way of turning non-gamers into someone who, who might decide to buy Gears of War. And he said, uh, it was easy to see mobile gaming as transitionary. And I used to think of these people as if they were turning into real, quote, real gamers. And I realized I was devaluing them and doing a disservice by not thinking of mobile and casual in its own form of, as its own form of gaming. Um, so they, I mean, they, this, this article goes on for quite a while if you guys care to, to dig into it, you know, after, after we publish the episode. But um, 
I mean, it, it would seem that um, would seem that the tides are turning a little bit. You know, if you've got all these industry folks standing up there on a stage at GDC saying that uh, you know if you own more than ten games, actual games, not just free to play, that uh, we're becoming we're becoming a you know a niche. So, I missed this part. Did, did he suggest that this is a you know specific to? just like kind of steam in the pc like yeah. way of things or this, is this console as well he did specifically ask first do you own more than 10 games on steam but uh they did extrapolate and continue to say if you read the rest of the article that they this is this is regarding gaming that a lot of the people who have this idea in their mind that mobile gaming isn't quote mm-hmm. real gaming they're sitting there like the joke is on them ultimately as far as the industry is concerned because they're the small end of the stick at this point, they're the the minority, the only the only people who are excluding anybody from anything as far as the industry is concerned at this point are hardcore gamers because we're not the ones that drive the market like we used to as far as the industry is concerned. You know, the the other thought that that gives me is is kind of the entire formula behind how you know like almost always video game consoles are sold at a loss just you know to, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. then they make up the difference in, in licensing like they they always they always said i think that like something like if um they need somebody after they buy the console to buy like three or four games for the for them for for, for like for with the money that microsoft loses now I'm, you know this is this is generally speaking for example for example's sake for the money that microsoft loses on like an xbox one sale yeah. Because they're selling it at a loss, they need that gamer then needs to go then buy like two or three or four whatever titles so that Microsoft can get the licensing from those games to yep. make that up and actually turn a profit. Yep. So this the the entire formula is based around the fact that people are buy, buying a bunch of games, and you know it doesn't work if they buy one game like every three or four months, like like this customer that you know that this that this guy is saying is the majority. So that makes me wonder, like you know, a lot of people have been talking about how like this might be the last like generation of consoles in this in this shape. yeah the way we've known it yeah mm-hmm. and it and this might be a big driving reason as to why because if people aren't buying games like that anymore in a whole you yeah. know if if a person is only going to buy one or two games and you know then it becomes it, it then the you know the formula doesn't work anymore it doesn't it doesn't make sense to sell consoles at a loss well, it certainly makes you think because let me put it to you like this i i um i basically spent my the money of my 20s <laughs> on, on a gaming library i have yeah. a huge game collection and some of it's hard to find and difficult and i have tons and tons of systems and i was as we've joked about on the show i've i've been the you know the test monkey for a lot of shit that just didn't work like steel battalion yeah. and, and like big investments like that that just didn't pan out i i own eye of judgment you know for the playstation mm. 3 um so like i was always glad to take a risk but those types of things just start dwindling and i guess to put it this way if i'm checking games out from the library right now maybe they're not that far off you know yeah it's rather than buying i would have buy i would have bought a game just because i liked the goddamn artwork on the cover yep you know uh, three or four years ago and now to be a little more judicious about how I spend my money. So I sure. find myself going, I'll just check it out at the library, which I know sounds shitty, but you know, I can either play the game or not. And more of a like, I'm going to try it before I buy it kind of thing because I've been burned by so many games in the last two or three years, like big budget games in the last two or three years. So I don't know, man, maybe there's something to it. As I personally think that the mobile market is, there's some great stuff in it. There's definitely some great stuff in it, but I mean, you have to, it's the same problem you had with the original Wii. You had to wade 
through a sea of trash to find treasure. Like you yeah, had to yeah. really, I mean, the mobile gaming market is a, a minefield of garbage, Yep. you know, and then there's great stuff hidden in the crap. <laughs> so, but it doesn't matter whether we think that or not. People are, people are buying it up. So yeah, true. It seems to be the, uh, the trend. Interesting to hear something like that come up at GDC in a room full of people. I'm sure, I'm sure they pissed a lot of, <laughs> a lot of steam fans off yeah. in the crowd. It's funny stuff. All right, moving on to our next story. Xbox boss calls sexist Microsoft-hosted GDC party unequivocally wrong. A Microsoft Xbox-hosted party during the 2016 GDC last uh, week featured women dancing on platforms, (laughs) rightfully angering many attendees, both men and women, and reminding many in the industry that even an often progressive company like Microsoft can contribute to the video game industry's long history of sexual objectification of women at professional events. What makes the situation all the more jarring is is that it took place the very same day as Microsoft's well-received 16th annual Women in Gaming Luncheon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not laughing at the... It's the irony I'm laughing at. Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, sent an email to the entire Xbox team and published it on the Xbox Wire blog, taking responsibility for the event and calling it unequivocally wrong. Here's Spencer's letter in full. How we show up as an organization is incredibly important to me. We want to build and reflect the culture of Team Xbox internally and externally, a culture that each of us can represent with pride. An inclusive culture has a direct impact on the products and services we deliver and the perception consumers have of the Xbox brand and our company as a whole. It has come to my attention that at Xbox-hosted events at GDC this past week, we represented Xbox and Microsoft in a way that was not absolutely consistent or aligned to our values. That was unequivocally wrong and will not be tolerated. This matter is being handled internally, but let me be very clear. How we represent ourselves as individuals, who we hire and partner with, and how we engage with others is a direct reflection of our brand and what we stand for. What we do when we do the opposite and create an environment that alienates or offends any group, we justly deserve the criticism. It's unfortunate that such events could take place in a week where we worked so hard to engage many different gaming communities in the exact opposite way. I am personally committed to ensuring that diversity and inclusion is central to our everyday business and our core values as a team, inside and outside the company. We need to hold ourselves to higher standards in the future, and we will do better in the future. Um, Spencer also uh, uh, sent a message to Polygon, who published this article originally and kind of extrapolated. But he kind of said a lot of the same things over and was just kind of clarifying for them. Um, and then a couple of other people who work for for Microsoft also, uh, you know, also chimed in and uh, you know, uh, kind of gave their opinions on how they were disappointed in the event. There were a bunch of images that were posted on the net from the event that people snapped pictures and stuff like that. <laughs> Not yeah. surprisingly, a lot of those things are gone. <laughs> yeah, there's there, there there's one word, John, that you that you did leave out of your description of this event that sort of just really, really just clarifies how um how how much of a, a mistake this was. Yeah. Um, the fact that all that you know, it's 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 you know. Yeah, people are very familiar with the concept of the quote unquote booth babe at these cons, and yeah. it's it's not yeah. it's it's worse than that. These girls were all dressed like uh, women, you know, you know these females were all dressed as schoolgirls on top of they them. were they were like to give you an idea the 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 photos if you if you care to look them up or find them online they are all dressed like like tilted kilt servers yeah approximately yeah. You know, and in green because this was all during St. Patrick's Day. You know, kind of leading up to St. Patrick's Day weekend. So a lot of it was. Now, I mean, I'm a, I'm of two sides to this particular perspective. Um, this was an invitation only party, 
and um, it was it was hosted in a bar. It was not like it was at a conference room in a hotel. It was hosted at a bar. It was an invite only party, and I think that um, you know the women that were participating were obviously adults. They were, uh, I'm sure, they were paid to be there. Well, yes. Um, so I'm of two minds. Um, do I think there's anything wrong with this party or this style of party? Not for the right thing, but for GDC or Xbox for video games, probably not the right setting for a party like this. You know, yeah. everybody in the room are adults. Everybody knows what they're doing there. Do we know what the well? Do we know what the point or the focus or the reason for this party was in the first place? It was just a. a I mean, like it was St. Patrick's Day GDC party. So it was St. Patrick's Day themed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so, if you look at photos from the event, there are people walking. So maybe around they weren't wearing green may, hats. And, maybe maybe it was less schoolgirls than than inappropriate kilts. <laughs> yeah, I think that may be what ruffled people okay. more. I think if there had been women dancing on on little platforms, if they had been more tastefully dressed, I don't know if people would have been as ruffled by it. Um, but you know, this is an industry that is pitched into turmoil right now when it comes to, you know, to to rights social rights when it comes to women and their treatment in the world of gaming i think if it had been a different type of conference there maybe wouldn't have been as heated of a thing but gaming is a pretty tumultuous place where women's rights are concerned right now so it's not at all surprising that this is the kind of thing that that reared its head at an event like this you know and i'm not saying it's wrong for them to be concerned you know it's just uh uh playing devil's advocate there are two sides to it i mean everybody there are adults you know i think everybody anybody who was participating in the event who arranged it Probably didn't think anything of it at the time. I don't think there was any ill intent that went into the planning or thought of it. I don't necessarily think they expected the backlash they got, but I think a lot of it had to do with the clothing choices, too. They probably could have been a bit more tasteful. Yeah, ill intent is one thing, ignorance is another. That's entire. That's the two different things for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there was any ill intent meant. I just don't think they were using their heads. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wouldn't be a a gaming conference if somebody didn't get mad at somebody for something, though. All right, moving on to our next story. Sony PlayStation VR launch bundle with camera and controllers goes on pre-sale March 22nd for $500. 500 bucks, man. There's the magic number. And that's the, that's the amount for the bundle, yes, to, be, and, to be clear. And we're, I'm going to clarify what that bundle is. Uh, so three days after announcing its $400 PlayStation VR headset... Uh, launches in October. Sony has now confirmed that a special bundle goes on sale in North America on March 22nd, which by the time... I'm sorry, it goes on pre-order on 22nd. Yes, it goes on pre-order, excuse me. Um, By March 22nd, which by the time the episode is published, that will be available. Should be the the day the episode goes up Yeah, the day the episode goes live, you guys will be able to pre-order that. While the PlayStation... I think they said it's 7 p.m. at retailers, I think I saw that. Yes, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. While the PlayStation VR has drawn praise for its relatively low price in comparison to the likes of Oculus Rift and HTC Vive, which we have covered heavily on this show, uh, some argue that the cost of the PlayStation VR was actually more than stated because you would need to pay for extras such as cameras motion, and motion controllers. This is something that Sony has addressed now with a $500 bundle that includes a PlayStation camera and two Move controllers. Interestingly, Sony hasn't yet revealed when the $400 core bundle, which includes the VR headset, cables, headphone, and VR demo disc, will go on sale. The launch bundle seems more geared toward non-PlayStation owners who haven't already invested in the peripheral hardware, while the core bundle... There it is again. The core people are (laughs) treated differently. While the core bundle will will, uh, perhaps appeal to those already invested in the PlayStation ecosystem. Moreover, it perhaps won't be too surprising if Sony eventually unveils some sort of mega bundle at a later date that includes a PlayStation console, too. Pre-sales for the PlayStation VR launch bundle kick off at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Pacific uh, on March 22nd at participating re- re- uh, retailers. It will also include Canada where it's 700 bucks for those poor bastards up there. 
Yeah, um, exchange rates. Yeah, um, exchange rates. Um, so, so I, I have a couple of thoughts yes. on on just you know because you know the the uh, it was this last week since the last time that we talked that um, you know that 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 the release date and the price and everything for the for the you know the 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 PlayStation VR headset came out. Um, my thought on the matter is that they this is what they needed to do. This yeah. is absolutely the right thing, the right choice to make in terms of the pricing, in terms of the way that they're selling it with the bundle and without, and um, because. And um, I, I had a, a, I had a conversation with Mr. Ricky Keller in the Players yes. Club along these lines, and um, that that kind of I think is is exemplary of a lot of the, a lot of people's thoughts on the matter, and that's that, you know, um, a lot of people don't realize that all of the major VR systems, you know, the Oculus Rift, the HTC Vive, um, and um, and now also the, the PlayStation VR, do have an external uh, external uh, camera aid. Yes. Uh, in the case of the Vive, the camera is actually on the headset, and then there's two just sort of like motion sensors that that you kind of place in your room that track your room position. Because with the Vive, you can get up and walk around yeah. in the room and it tracks yeah. that. With the Oculus, you actually have a little camera that you put on on your desk, and then um, that 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 looks back at you and tracks you. And then um, also- and for people who don't necessarily understand what level of of um, um, immersion that adds, mm-hmm. to give you an example, like when I when I was I was using Charlie's. Um, you know, Gear VR unit last week, and I a couple people were were close enough to me to be able to try it. And mm-hmm. when I was explaining to them, they would tilt their head and try to lean out from behind corners or lean over ledges. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh, I can't lean over the ledge." I had to explain to them it's because you don't have a sensor tracking the forward movement of your head or body. Yep. It's just using the accelerometers and the gyroscope in your phone, which don't work that way. Yep. And so that's what these types of them, like the move controllers will simulate hand movement and then the camera will track your forward and backwards moving momentum as opposed to just the head tracking that comes in with the accelerometers and gyroscopes in there. So exactly um, the, 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 you know, the, the, the accelerometers and gyroscopes in the helmets are able to change the orientation of your point in view up, down, left, right. Um, but changing the location of your point of view in terms yes. of leaning and crouching yes. is what the external camera does. Yeah, so just yeah. like you just said, yeah, it's a good thing. You want this; it yes, will make absolutely. your experience more immersive. But but so you know, it's like people are complaining over the fact that it's like, oh, you, like why do you need a camera? Like, are they you know, are they you know, it's uh, this is this headset must not be very good if you next, need an external camera. No, no, if you're saying that, look into it. They yes, all have a camera. Yes, yes, yes. So, every, so, every one of them has a sensor of some sort yep. to pick up your your movement in the room. Yep. So. And then so and then for the argument of them is of you know so you know a lot I think I think a lot of it is clickbait. But you know there were some articles that came out and said you know Sony wasn't completely honest about the price of the headset because you also need yada 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 yada. Yes, but many 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 people already have that camera. Yeah. And if they had only sold it with the camera. You would have the ex- the exact opposite of people complaining. Yeah, and yeah. so it's this was the right way to do it to to, to piece it out. I, I I think that this was compl- I, I don't think they did anything wrong. No, there. no, no, no. And the bundle is really well priced. Yes, because I mean, you can find move controllers and the camera used online for n- next to nothing if you buy them if you're careful if you shop carefully online used. Well, I mean, the Move controllers up until right now have been all but useless because, like, PlayStation Move, yeah. the, like the, the 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 PlayStation Three implementation of PlayStation Move is yeah. archaic. It's it done. Is, it is. The, but the fact that they're able to reuse that exact same technology and bring that back and make those controllers useful again, yeah. I, I think that the existing, uh, I I would anticipate that the existing, um, you know, uh, you know, gray market, whatever you call it, like the the eBay sales and things, like that are going to dry up real quick if everybody's yeah. snatching up those headsets, and then the prices are going to start to go back up because all of a sudden there's demand again, and um, 
So, but yeah, and then, you know, because in addition to the camera and the two controllers, John, like you mentioned, it also comes with like, like a, like a, like a demo disc and yeah. like a game, like, like a, kind of like a Wii Sports kind of game, I think, with a bunch of like titles yeah. on it and a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah, I think it's perfect. They did say that there are currently 50 games in development for the PlayStation VR. Now, I'm really, really intrigued to see what happens with this, because if you guys listening at home recall earlier uh, in the year and even a little bit last year after E3... I was really, really disappointed, especially at the PlayStation experience in December. I was really disappointed with the PlayStation VR showing. It looked really far behind the, the Oculus and the Vive. It looked really, really, uh, what they demoed looked like, I mean, like an alpha, an alpha of an alpha build, man. It looked really rough. And that's really all they've kind of shown for it. So I was kind of, I was going, I was under the feel, I had the feeling that this thing was going to be dead in the water just based on the fact that it's in a closed ecosystem where you have to have that system. It's not like on the PC where you can kind of play what you want um, or the the Gear VR, which has a portability aspect to it that the other ones don't have Mm -hmm. um, and a a really low price point to boot. But them turning this into a really affordable bundle and undercutting their competition, all the ingredients are there. If they can put out compelling enough software to supplement this thing, I think it's going to find a home. It's yep. going to find a home. Well, the simple fact that, that it's it's uh, it's getting a release of E-Valkyrie has me excited. Because yeah. there is no way I was going to be able to afford an Oculus no, Rift anytime no, no, soon. No, no. Yeah. And I want to play that game. Yeah, and so the fact I'm going to be able to play it now, uh, hopefully, on, on my PS4 with sure, one of these headsets sure. is very, very, very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you intend on... I mean, you don't have a PS4 yet, so... No, I'm planning to get one inside of the year if I can, just for No Man's Sky, man, to be honest with you. And also because I do have a a handful of friends that play on the PlayStation 4, and I'd love to play with them more, you know, I... uh, So... So now you've been talking about how you've been been intending, very, very in short order, to get your own Gear VR headset, especially more so after you borrowed mine. Yes. Now, is any part of you saying, well, maybe you'll just put that money into... No, 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 I'm going to get both. You're getting both. Yeah, well, okay. because the thing is, is that to, if I get a Gear VR unit and I get a, a you know a PlayStation VR system, buying a PlayStation Four, getting a PlayStation VR unit, the bundle, mm-hmm. and having a Gear VR unit is still cheaper than what it would cost me to to get a good enough PC rig and a Rift to run both. No, sure. Not that yeah. I wouldn't like to. Ha- I'd actually prefer to have a Rift. I'd actually prefer to have a Vive. They look amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's I mean it's hard, man. It's hard. Uh, with a PlayStation, the only fear I have with the PlayStation VRs is one that maybe the software won't be up to snuff, right. and also that um, if it doesn't do well, it's going to end up in the in the the you know like I said test monkey pile with the Connect and all this other shit that <laughs> yeah. I've paid for over the years that the, just went the nowhere. Nintendo Vitality sensor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the one thing I can say with the Gear VR is is that if as long as people are making mobile VR apps that come out for that store mm-hmm. in Two or three years, I'm confident that that store will still have content coming out for okay. it. Um, I'm not so sure with the PlayStation VR. I, I mean, maybe we'll get the 50 titles they're promising, and maybe we'll get 50 more, but there's going to be a shelf life to that system unless they port that unit over to whatever they're building next. So, But right now, there's, it's unclear. You know, It's a very much a, uh, an unknown quantity. So it You're makes talking about whatever is after the PS4? Yeah, and, and whatever may happen with the PlayStation VR after the PS4 is gone. You know, if the average game console right now is sitting at a five to seven year life cycle, we're already, you know, two years into two years plus into, you know, the current systems, uh, you know, life cycle. So we'll see, you know, but but there there are two addendums to this story that uh, that kind of that kind of 
fill in some of the blanks for us a little bit. You know, one of those things is that the head of PlayStation uh, America did say to developers uh, at GDC, if you put out a PlayStation VR game that is under 60 frames per second, you will not be approved for release. Oh, wow. They are saying that every game that comes out for that platform will be 60 frames in order to make sure that it is as comfortable for, for people as possible. Sure, great. Uh, in, in the VR platform. So it sounds like there's a commitment there. The other thing, too, is is that um, Sony is is talking about taking the PlayStation 4 and making a uh, uh, a version of the hardware that runs in 4K high definition. Like, like it doesn't already look sharp enough, you know, um, which I'm sure will, will be something that folds into and helps PlayStation VR, you know, maybe that will be where the life extension comes from. You know, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and that, you know, that makes perfect sense. Cause I mean, like, you know, the, the, the PlayStation four hardware is great. I mean, like you can, you know, the games that run on there look fantastic, you know, just, just upping the, um, probably just like, you know, the graphics RAM and maybe a little bump, a bump and just to handle the extra pixels, you know, to, to force, to support you know, to reliably support 4K resolution, yeah. you know, it seems like a good idea. If they don't call it the PlayStation 4K, they're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. No, but, but you know um, what? Up to this point, I wasn't so sold on this. But now it has my attention because it's it's in my it's in my poor people budget. You know what I mean? Like, it's in my price range. Yeah. You know? Uh, so do you, uh, do you foresee yourself pre-ordering one just in case? Not pre-ordering, no. no okay. I, this is, in the world of virtual reality, the battlefield that is virtual reality... You know, my money so far would would be cast toward Oculus stuff because there's such an install there sure. that I, I have a, a confident feeling that it's going to find purchase in this, you know, new market. But uh, I'm kind of taking a, uh, you know, passive, um, you know, perspective on it right now and just waiting to see what happens, you know, because whichever side wins, eventually the hardware will be lowered in price. Right. And and I am confident that VR will be around in five years, and it will be a very common thing, and probably in ways that have nothing to do with gaming, um, you know, based on some of the applications I've seen for it. But you know, we'll see. Cool. Time's gonna tell. Let's ask Goat what he thinks. Hey, Goat, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Or or he would say, what would he say? If he's here. He'd say, uh, uh, yeah, whatever. He'd go, <laughs> yeah, I don't give a shit. I'm just uh, you know, got my Gear VR unit. I'm moving on. No, fuck that. <laughs> no, fuck that. What do you think about all these things, Goat? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna listen to this next week, and he's gonna be like, "You guys don't. You do a terrible goat. You don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> I don't. I think we did fine. Um, moving on to our next story, though, uh, we talked a little bit ago about a story where uh, Machina was gonna be in uh, in litigation uh, due to some deceptive practices involving their. Uh, their advertising and the way some of that was being handled, and it sounds like uh, they settled everything with the FTC. So Machinima, the video gaming YouTube network, has settled a Federal Trade Commission complaint that it did not disclose that its broadcasters were paid to make enthusiastic endorsements. I like that they're calling them enthusiastic endorsements. Um, of the Xbox One during the console's 2013 launch. The settlement does not involve any monetary penalties, but rather an order to um, to which Machinima agrees that, quote, prohibits Machinima from representing in any influencer campaign that the endorser is an independent user of the product or service being promoted. In other words, if its broadcasters are paid to say a thing, they or Machinima must declare that. In September, the Federal Trade Commission filed a complaint against Machinima, alleging that it had paid YouTubers up to $30,000 to say complimentary things about the Xbox One. The finely detailed arrangements, which included talking points, suggested video clips, 
and a warning not to say anything disparaging about the Xbox One or its launch titles we, uh, were kept secret. Machinima's affiliates were contractually obligated never to disclose them. Microsoft was not cited for any wrongdoing, which is fucking mind-boggling to me because you know all that money came down from Microsoft. Well, now, I mean, when, when, we, when we talked about the story at the time... Now, okay, so, so I'm going to say two things. So first of all, the first thing, when we talked about the story at the time... It was it was very heavily suggested that this was a um, an, an ad agency that Microsoft employs that got this idea mm-hmm. and basically pitched the idea to Microsoft and saying we've got this idea it's going to do a lot of the good things but we're not going to tell you any more than that so you don't know more than that yeah. and Microsoft's like are you doing anything illegal and they're like no okay well everything really fine go do it you know and. Um, and then, like once this all came out, Microsoft said, "Like, oh no, we w- we would not have approved that. We didn't know that was yeah, happening." Yeah, yeah, sure. That being said, a good number of people listening to me right now are probably saying, "Like, oh yeah, right. They knew. They completely knew, and they they, prob- they, 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 they probably did." They <laughs> um, Look, you don't hand yeah. out a thirty thousand dollar check to people. That money comes from somewhere, and I guarantee you, it didn't come from Machinima's pockets. And even if even if it was the ad agency. The ad agency got the money from Microsoft, who gave it to the ad agency, who gave it to Machinima, who gave it to the YouTubers. Absolutely. Them's the rules, man. Yep, yep. You know? um, yeah. It, Microsoft's uh, advertising budget for the for the Xbox One, I'm sure, was I'm sure it was deep enough where now thirty thousand dollars to a YouTuber was nothing. This is my personal opinion. And this is I I'm gonna specify this now. This is not an opinion that is shared by the show by Charlie or Goat. This is my personal opinion. I have heard a tremendous, I have read, seen, heard, and met enough people that have worked with Machinima to suggest that maybe you seek your YouTube content elsewhere. <laughs> their, their gaming deals are really bad for people who sign. Uh, you know, anybody who signs with Machinima forfeits a lot of their, their profitability, forfeits a lot of their rights to their content. I mean, you can very easily find copies of their contracts floating around online and, and the incredibly large amount of bad blood that they have um, earned by doing uh, some of the bad business practice things that they've done. So that's that's just Fallon Flynn's personal opinion is maybe <laughs> avoid Machinima. Uh, don't don't support bad practices and bad habits. No, well, that works out because I do anyways because I've never found anything I wanted to watch on there. So there was there was a period for a while they were doing some cool things. Yeah, that period has passed. Scooting on to another story. Um, everybody was a buzz at GDC because somehow, some way, Microsoft and Sony did a little bit of back and forth over the discussion the concept that maybe they might open up their platforms to cross platform prey. prey. Come crop. <laughs> I'm not cutting this. So you got you got to recover. You got to recover. Pick it up. Cross John. platform play. There you go. I used my words, Charlie, <laughs> like a big boy. Um, so uh, Shui Yoshida, president of Sony Computer Entertainment's Worldwide Studios, has discussed Microsoft's invitation to connect Xbox Live and PlayStation Network for cross platform multiplayer. <laughs> there it is again. Like the what makes it even worse is it's almost like I'm I'm doing the the LRs like it almost sounds like Klaus, offensive. You keep on saying cross platform, cross platform. It's so fucking offensive. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everybody. Um, network for cross platform multiplayer. According to Yoshida, the technical work re- required to do so quote could be the easiest part. Speaking to Eurogamer, which this article was originally published by. Yoshida noted that Sony had supported cross-platform functionality between PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, and PC for numerous games, but most notably Rocket League and Street Fighter V. 
On the subject of the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One multiplayer networks interfacing with each other, Yoshida said there were technical challenges that needed to be overcome, but suggested this may not be difficult. Quote, because PC is an open platform, it's much more straightforward compared to Xbox One. Connecting two different closed networks is much more complicated, so we have to work with developers and publishers to understand what it is they're trying to accomplish. We also have to look at the technical aspect, he continued. The technical aspect could be the easiest. What may be more difficult to overcome, however, is getting through the red tape surrounding the business of publishing a game and the various policy issues presented by connecting the two networks. We also have to look at policy issues and business issues as well, he added. Uh, On March 14th, Microsoft publicly invited other platform holders to connect their network to Xbox Live. The move, if enacted, could bring two platforms that have been segregated between for, uh, for over a decade. Asked directly about whether it would work with Microsoft, Sony previously issued a statement to GameSpot that was in line with what Yoshida had said. PlayStation has been supporting cross-platform play since, uh, between PC on several software titles, starting with Final Fantasy XI on PlayStation 2 and PC back in 2002, it said. We would be happy to have the conversation with any publishers or developers who are interested in cross-platform play. Microsoft has indicated the groundwork required to connect Xbox Live with PlayStation Network had been complete. Its indie developer uh, director, Chris uh, Charla, said, in addition to natively supporting cross-platform play between Xbox One and Windows 10 games that use Xbox Live, we're enabling developers to support cross-network play as well. This means players using uh, on Xbox One and Windows 10 using Xbox Live will be able to play with different players on different online multiplayer networks, including other consoles and PC networks. This is exciting, Charlie. I love it. I love everything about it. This is great. Like for years, everybody, anybody who's been an enthusiast to the video gaming world has kind of scoffed at the idea of, of gaming segregation, the separation of platforms and games, and why am I buying this for two different systems if I want to play it with two different groups of friends? You know, um, it would, I'm sure probably just to ensure that you buy the console that has the most friends on it. I'm sure there's a sales figure sure. tied to this, but um, man, it would really be nice to take those walls down. Yep, and I, uh, you know, a lot of pe- some people may not understand the uh, the technical challenges that would be involved with this. You know, uh, I'm, you know, the way that each the like the way that Microsoft, the way that Sony like engineer their their systems, you know, you know, come up with their solutions and the way that certain things are done, like um, like you know, like 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 a keep alive signal to make sure that your console stays connected to the network, like uh, you know, just just various things here and there, like the way that like chat or 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 you know, like the voice communication, all things like that would work, mm-hmm. like they all come up with their own ways and getting, compl- you know, getting getting systems and methods like that to talk to each other is potentially a lot more complicated than one might think um until you actually like compare them and actually look at them and see what what's what's required so um you know having a having a technical insight into you know how this stuff probably works um i'm not surprised that it has taken this long to come around but you know it's um so much of what we see in these systems and games right now are licensed anyways you know it's like you know, like, you know, you, you watch any, the credits of any game, you get to the end, there's like 20 different logos that go by of all the different, like, yeah. you know, things that they've licensed oh, yeah. on Unreal Havoc, you know, all the different things. Bink you know, video. Bink, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's in like half the games we've ever played. Yeah. And so I'm sure that a lot of stuff in there about like multi, you know, like, like online components and things like that, you know, I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure yeah. some stuff is homegrown, but I, I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of things right now that are just outsourced and bought from other, you know, yeah, yeah, people yeah. that are, that are doing just like those specific things. Mm-hmm. So that may be something that has contributed to all
all of a sudden this being more realistic or possible than it had before because mm-hmm. they're sharing components that they weren't previously sharing. I, I don't know that. I'm just saying it's it would make sense. It's true. It's got, either way, if this comes to fruition, I kind of feel like this is the beginning of something that it got a really positive reaction from people uh, at oh, GDC sure, yeah. and on the internet and abroad. And um, every, I think... If they're smart, they will pay heed to this and do something with it because I have a feeling that it could really change the landscape of gaming. It could make it could make online gaming and multiplayer better. I mean, everybody that's most of these companies are investing their hard-earned money and time into multiplayer games. I guarantee you a lot of multiplayer games would get extended life out of cross-platform play because then you wouldn't have people going well i want to keep playing this but my buddies are over here playing this on that system and i gotta you know mm, you know like it'll it'll change yeah the, the, i mean the problem is gonna be hardest for you know for any any gaming that's that requires like like twitch reactions so yeah. like first person shooters and fighting games and things like that is because yeah when you when you get into a multiplayer match on either console and yeah. um and, uh, you know, you get together with your friends, like it puts you all on the same server. Like when you get in the party and you're playing together, you're playing like on the same server. So there's yeah. one, you know, there, there's there's pipes in between and you might have to jump through a couple things to get there. But, but when it comes down to it, it's all of your friends talking to one server. As soon yeah. as you talk about this cross-platform thing, there's going to have to be some interconnect between the you know that one server that you and all your PlayStation buddies are connected to, and the one other server that you know your 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 friend Fred yeah. and all of his Xbox buddies are connected to. And now you've got to deal with the lag and latency between the Xbox and the PlayStation server. Yeah, yeah. So figuring that out is going to be the hardest. Yeah, part of this I'm whole sure thing. it's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of fun, a whole gaggle of fun for those yeah. folks. Because what's there. I mean, what's not going to happen is they're they're not going to allow like Xbox. I mean, I mean, never say never but i i would have a very hard time seeing it coming them coming up with a solution where my ex you know it says like okay you know like most of the people you know that you know you guys are all friends you know he, you know three of you are on xbox and 10 of you are on playstation so since the most of you are on playstation we're just going to put you all onto a playstation server so there's these xboxes they're going to like kind of fork off of live and talk directly to the playstation server i don't see that happening yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah. probably not yeah but um, I mean that oh. would that would be one way to solve that. But, if yeah. they crack this thing wide open, everybody wins. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and close out the news stories this week with a, a couple of sad notes. But uh, I don't think of these as sad things. Think of them as uh, as proper send offs. The industry lost a couple of good people this week. Um, so first, I'm going to talk about uh, Akira Tago, uh, who was the uh, puzzle master for per, uh, Professor Layton Games. He passed away at 90 years old. He was not a young man. Uh, Akira Tago, the puzzle designer behind the Professor Layton series, passed away on the 6th of March at 90 after falling victim to uh, an, an interstitial pneumonia. Uh, prior to his work on Professor Layton, where he is credited as uh, Puzzle Master, Tago was a psychologist and wrote a series of best-selling quiz books called uh, Atma no Taisho, uh, debuting in 1966. The puzzle book sold more than uh, 2.65 million copies, according to Japan, uh, Japan Times. It went on to launch 22 sequels with the series shifting over 12 million copies. When not designing puzzles for commercial use, Tago was an academic. He became a professor of uh, Chiba University in 1973 and eventually rose to chairman of the, uh, of the Japan Creative Society and president of Tokyo Future University. Um, man, that's a, that's a hell of a life, man. That's a, a hell of a pedigree. Yeah. You know, uh, so many different things done over such a span of time and managed to find uh, time so much later in his life to contribute to uh, a series of games that have made a lot of people really, really happy. You know, so, um, you know, we will miss you, uh, Tago-san. Godspeed, rest well, and, uh, you know, 
thank you for all the good stuff. Definitely. And then, uh, oddly and again, sadly, uh, Pokemon designer killed in freak accident. Veteran Pokemon artist and designer Eric Medale died Sunday in Seattle when a massive tree collapsed onto his car. He was 42. As reported by King 5 News in Seattle, Medale had been driving with one of his two daughters near a park called Lost Lake Trail. A significant windstorm knocked over several trees in the area, including the one that hit Medali's car. A bystander rescued Medali's daughter from the wreckage, and she was sent to a nearby hospital with minor injuries. Hold on, put a thing in there. This ad popped up. Medali had worked for the Pokemon Company since 2003 as an artist and designer on various games in the popular Monster Collecting series. Um, man, what a really, really sad thing. This, uh, this gentleman is a father of two and uh and a husband and uh 42 years old minding his business just driving down the street with his daughter and uh crushed by a tree it's just a really um unfortunate sad thing could happen to any of us yeah and and, you know i feel i think maybe worst of all for his daughters oh yeah not particularly the one that was in the car you know it's it's a sad thing but you know what let's let's not reflect on uh you know um his loss instead uh, think about all the great contributions he gave to Pokemon since 2003. I mean, he had an, over a decade of work with the Pokemon company, so I'm sure his contributions were vast uh, and uh, definitely appreciated, especially as, uh, you know, there have just recently been some Pokemon releases out in the last uh, month or so. So, again, you know, uh, sad to see people leave, you know, especially uh, people who've contributed such great things to the gaming industry. But, uh, you know, we wish their families well and um, look forward to... Uh, to uh, hopefully having their work canonized in the coming months. Having said that, and leave it to me to wrap up news on a on a really dour note like that. I'm sitting but, here uh, actually searching for some some happy story I to know, go out I on. I know. Um, Charlie's trying to find a way to put some some jolly into the end of the news section there. Um, um, They're gonna um, do cross platform play for Xbox One and PlayStation. Xbox 4. One price drop to two ninety nine. <laughs> Woo! Yay! Temporarily, maybe, probably not temporarily, but uh, currently temporarily. How do you feel about um, that goat? I don't give a shit. I already got one. <laughs> it comes with a connect. Oh, I don't want that. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. It um, doesn't. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's that's it, man. It was a, a rowdy week at GDC. Uh, a lot of news came out, and uh, a lot of news that when you think about some of the things we just recounted, uh, stand to change some things in gaming. It's going to be interesting to see where all this shit leads. This I G- say that after every news story we do, but it's true. It's true. It always I mean, leads somewhere. But yeah, I mean, especially this GDC was super VR heavy. I mean, I think I think you had predicted that. Yeah, like like this last is the week. year, man. Yeah. This is the and, year, and um, so so yeah. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to be any less of that. I think we're going to be seeing VR everywhere, everywhere, everywhere because the industry has got a big stake in it. The industry has spent a lot of money on it, and the industry has big goals and aspirations for this stuff. So I think, I mean, if it the year it passes and we get into next year and it doesn't sell and nobody buys any of it, I think we won't ever fucking hear about VR ever again. You know, uh, yeah. maybe another fifteen twenty years before they try it again or something, but. Uh, I'm expecting it's going to be all year we're going to be talking about VR. This is the year. I would agree with that. Yeah. So so following up from that extended news segment, which we're basically wrapping up into our feature this time around, let's go ahead and move on to uh, some mailbag answers from our question last week. So for this week's mailbag, we ask the question, is Microsoft trying to dominate the PC market as Epic Games CEO says, or are they trying to be more involved in PC gaming in general? Um... I got a response from Mr. Ricky Keller 
saying, just more involved. They've suffered some losses recently, so they're trying to innovate. I don't think it's anything to be too concerned with. Um, so that's uh, that's one perspective. Okay. And then we do have a songbird email this week. She writes, uh, Dear Technotronicorn Goat and Fallon Flynn, uh, mailbag answer, as someone who's not that well-versed in the realm of PC and all of its tech technicality i see it as just another way to get more of the pie as a business it uh it only makes sense to find ways to expand and establish more nests to put eggs in especially with the rise of mobas and whatnot my concern would be how will it affect those who make games as i would presume it would take up more time and money to meet required needs it's kind of like nintendo's problem with third-party games i hope they would make uh the right decisions but let's remember the many things they've tried to pull off as well Cough, always online DRM gag. <laughs> this is true. I don't think you're alone in your perspective of those things. No, 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 not, not by a long shot. Um, uh, um, yeah, Songbird, I, 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 agree, I agree with everything that you're saying here. And um, yeah, it'll just, uh, as uh, it's almost becoming our catchphrase, time will tell. Um, time will tell. Yeah. Uh, Songbird continues, uh, Mass Hysteria! What non-exclusive games, regardless of age, would you wish Xbox and PlayStation owners could verse against each other in? Um, okay, so non-exclusive. So not like Uncharted or something like, or Gears of War or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think that, um, I mean... I don't particularly care for this, but I'm sure that there's a significantly large number of people that are, you know, like Call of Duty and Battlefield players that they would very much like this. Um, but uh, yeah, because all you know, it's it's funny that your, your clarifications made me realize all the things that I would want are the things that are console exclusive. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that sort of nullifies that. See, I'd be um, fine with just about anything personally, yeah. just because. I mean, okay. Look at how much fun we had last year playing Grand Theft Auto Five online. Like, mm. oh yeah, there's, there's anything a big one. to make those servers more yeah. robust. Yes, um, anything that I mean, I'm, I've been playing so much Metal Gear, but Metal Gear would be fun because I did get to play some Metal Gear online. It's really good, but you know, more people playing it. Yes, um, and it would make the 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 FOB stuff much better too, like the the FOB invasions. Yeah, um, you know, and uh, yeah. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, I think, is a big one, um, yeah. just because of the popularity of that game. And I mean, like that's a the, the more popular a cross-platform game is, the bigger the wall, yeah. the bigger yeah. the, the more apparent that wall becomes, is because you have more friends that are playing it and more yeah. more friends on other platforms. Um, another one which is not as big of a deal now as it used to be, but um, uh, online uh, music rhythm games like Rock, Rock Band, oh, and Guitar yeah, that Hero, would be cool. um, those are those are other big ones. And then um, anything um, fighting game. Anything fighting game because a yeah. lot of fighting games have a tendency to have really robust communities when they launch, and then after two or three months, the community shrinks a bit, and then after six months, it shrinks more, and then you just got the diehards on there playing. And sometimes it can be hard to get matchmaking going. Yeah, but if you were to open it up across all platforms, I think fighting games would have consistently better, um, you know, uh, um, matchmaking. Yeah, I'd yeah. agree with that. <laughs> Um, so why in the Flying Duck, Songbird continues, <laughs> would Sony only allow Americans to pre-order the complete PlayStation VR bundle instead of the thing by itself? Um, money? M- money, and because I, I, I feel as though, I hate to say it, but I feel like the, the American consumer is a lot pickier than, than consumers from other places. You know what I mean? Like, they, they have a tendency to be a lot more critical in a shitty way so why would that 
make them not offer both options. I'm, I'm, I'm um, not I, following because your I don't, there. I don't necessarily think. Well, do you know why? Because I think that they're use, I think they're using the United States as a as a test market for it, as a guinea pig for it. So yeah. to see so yeah. whether or not it's you know it's going to do well or sell. Yeah. So 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 I can see I, I can see a couple things here. The first one just being simple logistics. If they only have one skew, one box to worry about, it's simpler for them. And then um, you know then they can start with the people that you know don't have anything. And then, you know, then sort of bring others into the fold later, you know, because, you know, it, it's like it's it, there. There's some logic to tackling almost like the bigger problem first. And when I say when I what I mean is the people who don't have anything like, you know, they're the harder sells because yeah. they've got to spend more. And so if you can get them on board and interested, mm-hmm. then the people who are the easier sells because they're going to they already have some of the pieces and they're going to have to spend less. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, save that for later because it's an easier sell. Yeah. Um, it's, I also can't help but wonder if this bundle is going to be a limited time thing, like to get people into it. Because with all the stuff that comes in that box, I mean, it's I could see them making this like like a launch thing, like a limited thing, and then maybe after like six months or a year or so, just yeah. not or the you know either not offering the bundle at all anymore or not not having it have everything in it that it has. Yeah. They haven't said that, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went yeah, that yeah, direction. Because yeah. there's there's a lot of stuff in that box for that extra hundred dollars. Sure, sure. So. Uh, Somber continues. So in Pokemon Tournament, trainers use Synergy Stones to sync their thoughts to their Pokemon to do battle. Uh, what would you do with this power and with what Pokemon? Also, this game has my seal of, of approval. Oh, okay. So there, there, there's one positive review of Pokemon Tournament. There you go. Um, God, if I God could, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. If I, if I could telepathically communicate and impose my will on a Pokemon, first of all, we need to, we need to address the fact that Pokemon are real. <laughs> And, yes, yes, yes. And uh, so, 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 so uh, uh, moving on from that, I suppose, which which sort of completely changes the possibilities in the question. <laughs> um, I mean, I would, I would, I don't know. I just kind of want to go on adventures. I, I, I just, yeah. I just kind of like want to like run around and like have fun like because i'm i'm like you know i'm a goofy you know soft-hearted animal lover and i'm sure that if you know pokemon were a real thing it would be no different with them and i wouldn't want to like have them do fights because i don't want my they're my friends i wouldn't want them to get hurt because i'm a giant softy <laughs> i would i mean like i want to the responsible thing would be to to say something like what you just said the sweet thing but like i know me it would be like um you know i i you know, I want to use my mind to like. Uh, never mind. I'm not even gonna do this so bad. I'm not even gonna say. It. Um, you know, I, here's what I would do. I would. I would. Would you get into hijinks, John? I would get into hijinks. Okay. I don't know. I would just like you know, like pick the biggest po- Pokemon and poop with it just to see how big the poop is. <laughs> like how big is Pokepoop? Oh my god, you're a child. You know, I am a child, or I'm, I'm sure I'd pee on something. Or you know what? I would probably do. Oh. I would probably. I would probably influence Pikachu. To shock Donald Trump in his ass <laughs> all the time and shock that stupid wig right off his head. Um, John, in this world, I believe that would be considered assault. No, nah, well, that's Pikachu's problem. No, no. <laughs> have fun. Have, have fun trying to figure out what his motivations were when all he says is Pika P. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Huh. So I think that's that's as good right. as it's gonna get. Okay. Pokemon poop and Donald Trump, same thing. <laughs> and uh, with that, Songbird, thank you very much for your email, and um, thank you to the other responders, singular of our mailbag this week. Uh, we appreciate it. And um, yeah, so um, so uh, we are we are two weeks away now 
from yeah. uh, from the from the from the madness from the excellent wonderful beautiful madness from Pony Geddon. that is uh, is <laughs> uh, I mean yes <laughs> um, that that is going to be Winnie City uh, PonyCon in uh, Schaumburg Illinois April first through third. Um, at the uh, Hyatt Regency Schaumburg, right next to the Woodfield Mall, there, uh, right next to the IKEA that's over there, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know it's taken up all of my time and effort and energy. I know it's about to start, it's like super occupying um, John and Goats, yep, you know, yep. energy and, and you know as well because you know they're on they're on staff, um, and uh, yeah, so um, on my side of things, that that's all I'm even remotely thinking about. If you guys are coming out, please say hi. Come and say hi to us. Come and say hi to me. Um, and um, yes, that 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 I mean that that is just all is on my mind right now. Uh, today on the website, but um, on uh, we uh, you know we 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 listed all the musicians that we have coming, um, and um, you know so we've got the concert details up there. We've got the majority of the schedule up there. And, um, so, you know, the, uh, you know, by, by the time this episode airs, you should be able to see 99, if not a hundred percent of all the, um, over a hundred different panels and events and, uh, and things are going to be happening over the course of this weekend. And, um, yeah, like I say, even if you don't give a crap about ponies, it's still, I promise you, you're laughing at me. You're saying, <laughs> no, it's not, but I'm telling you, it's going to be a good time. You don't need to like ponies to get along with awesome, friendly, happy people. That's true. I promise you. Um, so yeah, that's everything. And John, uh, a little bit sooner than that, you've got some big stuff happening. I do. Um, this coming week, actually, uh, we're, we're leaving on Thursday. So, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina, V's for Villains, um, performing at Mad, Mo- at Mad Monster Party, uh, which is just is like one of the coolest cons that we do during the course of the year. They have this massive guest roster. Um, you know, and it's, it's going to be, we're doing, not just doing the performance, but, uh, uh, my brother and I own an, uh, an audio company called Industrial Media Works. A lot of people don't realize this. Um, he's doing the audio for the convention as well. The entire audio. Nick is also going to be doing the audio for Winnie City PonyCon. Uh huh. Um, but it's, uh, it's going to be cool. You know, I mean, we're, we're going to be playing some slightly new material, um, this this show might actually be this. This might be the last for VS Villains fans listening. This might be the last version of our old show. This might be the last time we do that show. And if it if we do do it again, can't be more than one or two times more. Like I still can't talk about some of the changes. Let, let me put it to you like this: there there is a likelihood that there may be a couple of other people joining us in this band soon. Um, if things go a certain way coming up, um, but we're we're testing the waters to see if that's the right thing or the smart thing to do right now. Um, it makes sense for the show that we're designing. We're just trying to make sure that it makes sense for us as people as well in the band. Sure, um, and more people is more so. complications. So. Yes, yeah, it, it it is it is. But the the people that we're we're looking at and talking to to do this are good people and likely the right people to do this job so um and plus you if if things go the way they they might you guys will be madly entertained by these people so <laughs> one of them you guys are kind of familiar with it's kind of interesting it's a story for a different day uh but yeah that that's everything we've got coming up i mean there's a slew of conventions coming up during the course of the year you can always find them on our facebook page or you know, really message any of us and, and get the information. But uh, I'll talk about those as we get closer to them. For now, it's Mad Monster Party out in uh, 
Charlotte, North Carolina, and then in April we're doing Mad Monster Party in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. All right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so so uh, MadMonsterParty.com, I'm assuming. Yes. Yep. And then uh, Winnie, Winnie City. Uh, Winnie, that's not windy because uh, this is a you know, horse pun. Uh, WinnieCity.com uh, for all the information on that. And um, yeah, so it's going to be a very convention-y uh, couple of weeks for us. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Gamerhead Radio will be recording live um, at Winnie City, um, I believe at 8 p.m. on Friday night. Um, and we will be, uh, I, can, I can announce that we will be joined on our show by two of the guests of Winnie City. First of all, a couple uh, episodes ago, you might remember the... Uh, the uh, well, the memorable Jen Blake, uh, you know, the comics artist that came on to talk about Lego games with us, she will be joining us at the recording, and I could not be more excited for that. Oh, it's going to be thrilling, man. And we are also going to be joined by uh, Jim Miller, who is the series co-director and storyboard artist for My Little Pony. And um, the, uh, in addition to that, um, one of the reasons why, he's, we, why we're bringing in him on the show is to give him a little bit of a break of ponies, because he's also done storyboard work for various things, including, for example, Dead Rising 3. And so um, he uh, does have some experience in, uh, in our world, and so, you know, it's, it's not good, you know, I'm sure ponies will come up, but, uh, you know, give him a little, give them a little bit of a break of ponies for a night and feed them some uh you know liquor of course while we're at it because that's what 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 we do <laughs> and uh, yay and uh so yeah it's gonna be a really good time and um yeah so uh with all that being said um uh for next week's mailbag question um I'm, uh, it's just sort of a conversation that we were having and we just kind of wanted to know what you guys think about this um if you were to suddenly find that in the in the current state of gaming, you know, where where you have, you know, like we talked about today about like the Microsoft issue where they had this party where they had all these like scantily clad women or whatever, you know, and, you know, in, in this climate and in this day and age where, you know, where sexism is a thing and feminism is a thing the you know, regardless, you know, regardless of which side of those conversations you stand on, hopefully you're on the, the side I hope you're on. But uh, if you were to suddenly find that you turn into a member of the opposite gender. How do you think that that would play into your perspective and just like, how do you think that that would, um, you know, how do you think that that would affect you as a gamer? Assuming that if you're listening to this, that you are a gamer. Um, do you, do you think that it would affect the choices that you made in terms of the games that you would play or, um, or do you think, uh, do you think it might make a difference in terms of how you were perceived as like, you know, as being like a gamer, like, um, you know, just with, with stereotypes and things like that. So I'm um, just curious to know what you guys think of that. And, um, yeah, so that's our mailbag question to you for next week. And, uh, so with all that being said, if you've liked what you heard, you can find us at gamerheadradio.com at facebook.com backslash gamerheadradio at google.com backslash plus gamerheadradio and on Twitter at gamerheadradio where I'm at T.E.K. Charlie. The absent goat is at Sir Goatsworth and John is at the Fallon Flynn. You can email us at editors at gamerheadradio.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 94926gamer. Um, you can download the official Gamerhead Radio app on Google Play or you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, um, uh, YouTube, Twitch, or with your podcast downloader of choice. Uh, once again, thank you very much for listening, folks. This has been Gamerhead Radio.
So with that, uh, with that, with that, uh, <clears throat> so without, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Xbox, Xbox boss calls sexist Microsoft hosted GD, GDC party unequivocally. Uh, let me do that whole thing wrong. I just put a B in unequivocally. 